WCLS in Whatcom County presents Library Stories, a podcast to open your eyes to all the ways your local public libraries matter. Join us as we reveal the power of sharing at the library. I'm your host, Neil McKay, Online Experience Coordinator for the Whatcom County Library System. And today, I'm here again with my boss, Mary. Hi, Neil. Hi, Mary. How are you today? Excellent. You know, it's a, what is it, a Wednesday after Labor Day 2021. And we were lucky here in Whatcom County, had gorgeous weather over the weekend. And uh, but now we're all kind of sliding back into our fall routines. Huh? I know it's not fall yet, but, you know, it kind of feels like it. All right. Enough small talk there. Yeah. We've got a long <laughs> Let's get way to down go. To business. <laughs> long way to go and a short time to get there. Yep. Today, we've got a great conversation with Mary Kinzer and Emma Radosevich. Mary and Emma are collection development librarians for the, the Whatcom County Library System. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting to learn how materials get into the collection. And that reminds me of the conversation you had in the last episode. What was that? Podcast 8? That was Podcast 8. eight. Was, when, was... Your interview with Carmi Parker yeah. about um, the whole ebook situation and the national boycott that Carmi organized um, to ensure that library users, let readers who use the library to access ebooks had equitable access to new materials from a certain publisher. And that was such a fascinating discussion. So if you have, if you missed that episode, listeners, I, Neil and I encourage you to go back and listen to episode eight to learn more about the ebook um, issue with libraries. And you may have seen an article that was in the New Yorker. It's the surprisingly big business of library ebooks by Daniel A. Gross. It came out September 2nd, 2021. And it just gives you a little bit more information about, you know, how ebooks are added to the collection and the costs related to that and um, the people who are fighting um, for you to have equitable access to all those materials. So episode eight. A winner. All right. So so look that up and go check out episode eight with our interview with Carmi Parker. And of course, you can see that on our website at wcls.org slash podcast. And I bet you talk books with those two because, oh, my, if you're looking for a book recommendation. I started a new thing this week. Oh, yeah. I gave them kind of a, a lightning round. I asked them uh, just in lightning fashion name a book that's a funny book, name a book that's a scary book. And boom, well, boom, that's boom. a fun idea. Yeah. So, and they, did you stump them or did they quickly reply? No. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> they had an answer for everything and it was, mm -hmm. it, and we've got them all written down and we'll have a, uh, a list of all those recommendations on our website at wcls.org slash podcast oh great so i don't have to have a pen and paper beside me um to I'm, write down it'll be right there in the show notes that. that's handy I'm, I'm taking notes for you i am <laughs> good i appreciate the help. all of you <laughs> so yeah there'll be a lot of uh links to interesting things that we've talked about plus the book lists and uh besides uh mary and emma's interview we're also going to to have uh part two of my conversation with you, Mary. Oh, other Mary, <laughs> yeah, Mary V. About um, Library Card Sign Up Month, right? Yeah, because we're we're still smack dab in the middle of it, and so we'll let uh, that interview do all the talking. But I I will invite people to please drop by your branch and get a card, or go to wcls.org/slash/get a card. That's right. And so, yeah, I did want to say that the the first part 
of that interview came out in episode eight, which you can also find on our website at mm-hmm. wcls.org slash podcast. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Website what was again? that number again? one <laughs> yeah. 800 podcast <laughs> Your enthusiasm in that interview was was so strong. There was just no stopping you. So it, it ran long. Look out when I get talking about libraries. Same as you, Neil, right? Well, There's just a lot to say. And this one, this is a fun interview. We have a lot of laughs. So yeah. let's jump right into the middle of our our interview with Mary Vermillion about Library Card Sign-Up Month. You know, and yes, your card enables you to check out all the materials. I also just hope people see it as a way to say, um, I want to stay connected with my county library system. I want to hear about things the library system is doing. I want to um, be part of this community of readers. And some of the things that you're going to hear about, you know, once you get your card and um, will be things like early literacy programs. So if you have young readers at home, our youth services team is incredible. They've been doing um Really wonderful online programs during COVID. You can get story times and you can get prompts to help with um, early literacy. And then, of course, we have things that keep the teens engaged as well. And then all the way up to, you know, older readers, too, um, where we're having um, book club programs for them, informative events and programs at our libraries and online um, programs like our Read and Share, which happens uh, here coming up, starting actually with some community events in the middle of September and going Right. through October. Um, and, you know, walk and reads, there's just a lot of things to be involved with. And a, and a card not only enables you to to check out materials, but also just is you know, just sort of states your belief in libraries. You know, you are a library card holder, you believe in libraries and all that it does to, to serve everyone in our community. So get, getting a library card, a, a, you know, that's such a valuable item that you we're getting. How much does that cost again? <laughs> that would be zero. That would be free, free, free. Yeah, no, we're really grateful. Of course, um, property owners, you know, you know, property taxes pay for library services. Um, and so the, that cost is shared um, across everyone in the county. But, the you know, applying for a card doesn't cost you anything. The services are, as I mentioned, um, you know, supported by your tax dollars. But the card itself is free. And for that, you get, again, just some really amazing resources. And, um, you know, we've already kind of gone on about um, those online resources that are available. And, you know, during the pandemic, when everything was locked down, um, I thought it really showed the power of the library and how we were able to say, okay, well, if our library buildings are closed, how do we serve people? And again, we're the county library system. So we have some folks who live out in the county who may not have the best or most um, reliable access to the internet. And so we uh, kept that access going or that connection going for people by um, expanding our Wi-Fi service um, farther out into our parking lot. So if you pull up to any county library, you'll be able to access the Wi-Fi. We also checked out laptops so people could could drive down if you didn't have a laptop at home and needed access to the internet and needed some technology, you could come to the library and, and check out a laptop. We kept online programs going to help people feel connected. And we also did a lot of outreach. People could call the library and talk to library staff. And again, you know, if if you live and you have decent internet access and you have family and friends who are checking on you, that's one thing. But there were People in the county who really needed that connection were feeling really isolated, and this library service kept them connected. 
with their community and it kept them um, kept them entertained by having access to books and other materials, audiobooks, et cetera. So um, I just I just that during COVID, the power of the library really showed through and um, it's still just going strong. You know, we continue to adapt to serve our community in the best way um, that we can and we listen to what people need and and I again I guess you know yeah get a library card for what it does for you but get a library card just to show your belief in the library system as a vital piece of our community infrastructure. Yeah that's right I mean I we really stepped up the library system really stepped up during yeah. uh, the the hardest days of of COVID and mm-hmm. And we learned something about ourselves that this is, at least I felt like um, coming coming through that and looking back at the, the things that we did during this difficult time, you know, our buildings shut down, but our staff kept working and yeah. we provided, not only provided services, but then we also um, put out information about how to get the services because mm-hmm. if you were used to just walking into the library and the doors are shut, we wanted you to know that that we're still providing as as many services as we can. Yeah, yeah. We started curbside. Um, use services created these craft kits that you know. So so young people who are used to coming to the library for for programs in which they were crafting and learning skills that way, they were able to just you know get those curbside pickup craft kits and. Oh, just so many things that um, was really incredible to see. And, and we, you know, yeah, we just keep improving. We keep listening. We keep responding to, to what the need is and, and uh, doing all we can. We have a really amazing, you know, group of people who work for the library mm-hmm. system. And um, we just invite everyone to join us by, you know, by doing one's very simple thing, which is if you don't already have one, please get a library card. If you have one, do what Neil does and get out there and tell advocate your, for the libraries with your with your friends and family. That's right. Tell your friends. Just think of the one thing you love about the library and then tell your friends about that, why it matters to our community. You know, we have a, a an app that's free to use to mm. learn languages. Right. So it's called yeah. Mango. And you right. can learn if you're if you're traveling to to Mexico and you want to brush up on your Spanish or if you're, we communicate with cousins in Norway. And, you know, I'm trying to learn Norwegian. Yeah. Tusentak. That means a thousand thanks. A so thousand that's what you'd thanks. Say when, when you want to yeah. show gratitude, you say Tusentak in Norwegian. And that means a thousand thanks. Cool. So you have the Mango app on your phone? I do Are have you, the Mango yeah. app. Yeah. yeah. So, Neat. I mean, it's just like I, I could go on. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast where I'm just talking about all of the things that I use on our oh, there you go. Our yeah, or maybe we could do an entire podcast in Norwegian, and then we Ooh. can all get our mango apps out. That would be interesting. <laughs> Try to figure it out. It's easy to find out ways to get involved with Library Card Sign Up Month. We um, have a page at wcls.org forward slash believe. And when you go to that page, you can, you know, I mentioned that we're using our friends Sasquatch again to kind of headline our campaign. And so when you go to wcls.org, forward slash believe you'll see join the Sasquatch squad and so we invite you to um to just join in with some of the fun again get your library card or encourage a friend but we have a really um engaging Sasquatch search sheet that was 
actually inspired by a group of teens in Linden who last year when we had all of our I Believe in Libraries yard signs out with Sasquatch everywhere, they they were like, I think that we're supposed to be looking for this Sasquatch. And that was not our plan, but we loved it so much. Um, you know, one of the one of the library workers in um, in Linden, Yolanda, her it was one of her children, and uh, told her about it. And we said, "Well, shoot, what can we do about that?" And so this year, we're expanding by having a Sasquatch search. Then you can pick up that sheet at your library branch, and it's just a fun way to kind of look for Sasquatches in our community. They're and, all um, over the place. They are all over the place. Even if we didn't put them there, it's amazing where you, <laughs> where you see them. <laughs> Um, and then we're also working with our friends at Rag Finery, which is a nonprofit um, that serves the entire county, but is based in downtown Bellingham on um, Forest Street. So with our friends at Rag Finery, we have a pattern where you can make your own cryptid. So, um, Neil, do you want to explain what a cryptid is? A cryptid, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is an animal such as Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they don't exist. They're not an imaginary animal. Absolutely. They just have never been proven to exist. And I've never been proven to exist. Either, for, that matter, so. <laughs> for that matter, that's right. <laughs> yes, but we believe in Sasquatch and we believe in libraries. And so, um, so and we have this. Sasquatch believes in us. Sasquatch, most importantly, yes. And when you have Sasquatch belief, then you you've got it all. So, anyway, so we're working with Ragfinery to do this, create your own cryptid, and they've um, put together a pattern for us. Actually, our coworker Suzanne, who also works at Ragfinery, is just came in and showed me the pattern. It's super cute, and I don't craft, but I think I can even make this thing. So it's out of felt, and it's just going to be really fun, so that you can make your own. And then we'll also have one of these a large size of these cryptids um, hidden among the library shelves. That'll be part of the Sasquatch search. We do have some more of our very popular, I believe in library yard signs. It has a Sasquatch on it. And um, if you apply for a card, you can claim one of those signs while supplies last. Or if you didn't get a sign last year and you really, really want one, then um, come to your library branch and ask for one. Um, we also, Oh, Mary Kinzer, who's a collection development librarian, put together this amazing list of books and movies about Sasquatch. So you can find that again on this page, wcls.org forward slash believe, a book list, a list of books and movies um, to help you discover Sasquatch secrets. And so those are just some of the things that we're doing this year. Um, just to bring again a little spot of, of whimsy and joy uh, during the month of September and to invite everyone to join us in celebrating libraries, either by getting your card or encouraging um, your friends and family to get a library card. You know, I'll just say that during September, it's easier to spot a Sasquatch. Oh, yeah. The, the, the dry leaves are falling and you can hear them crunching. So it's if you're true. out in the woods and you hear crunching in the and you don't see anything that's probably a sasquatch it's it, absolutely they're very yeah. good at hiding <laughs> you know we're not going to double check it you might want to bring a friend to have a witness but um, just have fun out there walking around and looking for sasquatch and seeing what you seeing what you see library card sign up month september if you have a library card tell a friend drag them down show them how easy it is to get a card if you don't have a library card why not 
You should get one. <laughs> That's right. Discover the legendary services at the library and you can claim one of these stickers or, or yard signs while supplies last or come in and tell us that you love the library, you believe in the library and ask for a yard sign or a sticker if you, if you already have a card. So just basically in September, come and see us. We'd come love to see you. Us. Come visit. Yeah. Come yeah. visit us online. Visit us in person. We're here for you. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Mary. Um, this has been informative and whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Neil, I try to do that every day. Be informative and whimsical. You do a, you do a fine job. Mary Kinzer and Emma Radosevich are collection development librarians. Would you two explain what that means? How, how about Mary? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the long and short of it is that uh, our responsibility is to take care of what goes into the collection. So we do a lot of the purchasing. Emma and I both work um, on the adult collection side. Um, and so we do the selection for what is added into the collection. And then we just sort of look at the collection as a whole and decide um, how things move around and when it's time for things to move in or out of the collection. We also look at patron requests, things that people are asking us to add and determine whether or not those are things that we can add to the collection or that we can get through interlibrary loan. Okay. And so you're saying things. So Emma, what are the things that you're purchasing? So the things are mostly books, um, but I also add books on CD and music CDs and Mary adds DVDs to the collection. We've also got a collection of board games and coloring books and really all kinds of things. We just added puzzles. puzzles so that's very exciting. So there really are things. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, all right. The question that I have for you two is how many things do we have? Oh man, that's, that's a tough question. I don't even know too many to count beyond my comprehension of numbers. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah, hundreds safe to say hundreds of thousands of things. Hundreds of thousands of things that we have, we have in our collection for people to borrow. Yeah, and new things are coming in all the time. Things are going in and out all the time. So it's a constant flux of what we have for people to borrow. Well, like, okay, so how many items do we get in a typical year? Is that a question I can ask? That's also a number I don't know. You are, you're not numbers people. <laughs> we are not. Are <laughs> we are dollars people yeah. um, dollars. in terms of, yeah. you know, knowing how much money that we have to spend in our in our budget. Um, but it's a little tricky, right? Because different things are different prices and cover prices for things flex and change. You know, for instance, hardcover books now are a lot more expensive than they used to be. So we can buy fewer of them. So my last interview on the on the podcast just before this one i interviewed carmy parker who of course she's a numbers person <laughs> she is a numbers person and she's also a champion of patrons because we talked about her winning the movers and shakers award for organizing a boycott against mcmillan she's so cool isn't she amazing yep she's a fierce advocate for access yeah. So that was interesting to find out about the cost of ebooks and e audiobooks, which is three to four times higher for libraries than for than for uh, 
the general population. It's mind blowing. Like I think the general public just has no idea how expensive they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even that you can't just all use them at the same time. You know, people mm -hmm. think like, ah, it's digital. Like it's like a Google doc. Right. But it's not. Yeah. And the, and the reason for that. Um, so as Carmi explained, uh, the publishers have said, have used the term cannibalizing to talk about what libraries do. How do you feel about that? I mean, what is what is the connection between bookstores and libraries? The thing to remember, there's often a lot of confusion about how books get into libraries. Like this is one of the things that I have heard a lot over the years. Well, don't the publishers just send you things? No, we per everything that's on the shelf in our libraries that we've purchased with taxpayer dollars. Um, and Emma and I, one of our big responsibilities, of course, is to be as careful with those taxpayer dollars as we possibly can be. Um, so we're looking to fill demand. And we're looking to get things that people want and we're spending a good amount of money to do that. Um, and then for publishers, right, to feel like we're sort of taking sales away from them is a weird place to be because a lot of times people are introduced to new authors or series or titles through the library and they may then go on to purchase those items on their own, but it starts oftentimes with the library and it starts with the dollars that the library has spent. So it's this weird tension space to be told that like you're taking sales away from us when really we're sort of standing there with dollars in our hands saying, no, no, we're giving you money. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it every year. I mean, I think that publishers, you know, they're, they're hoping that you sort of have this one reader to one copy of book, right. And that if every reader bought a copy of their books, they would have more money. And that sort of, because we're sharing things, that's where the cannibalizing comes in but they're not taking into account the discovery layer of like new authors who maybe someone finds for the first time at their local library because someone at the checkout desk recommended it. Right. And it presupposes that everybody, you know, that if they make it harder for us to get things, that everybody will just automatically go out and buy it. Um, and I know for myself, and I, I know it's true for you too, Emma, like, even if I can buy something, it doesn't always mean that I want to, right? Sometimes I want to, I don't want to end up with everything on my shelf. I want to experience it by borrowing it. And then maybe I'll buy it later. But it's that weird space where they're like, if we make it harder, people will just buy it. Yeah, it's not always true. No. Also, I have 40 books checked out right now. Like, <laughs> I love going to the bookstore and I love buying and owning books, but like, I simply cannot afford my own library habit, you know, if I were to buy everything. That's, that's a very good point. I, my birthday's coming up. And one of the things that I always do is go down to Village Books and splurge on a book that I wouldn't normally buy because maybe it's $40 or, or more. It's, it's like, that's not part of my my budget but it seems like an expensive uh, treat for me so i don't i don't buy books all the time but i do read books and when i do go to buy it's often from an author that i've discovered in the library well and it's one of the most beautiful things about the library right like one of the best parts of our job is uncovering the things that you didn't know that you wanted. That's the joy of the library. Everybody knows, right? I read these authors or I'm interested in these topics, but the joy of the library is the serendipity of going in or browsing online and being, you know, 
surprised to find something that you didn't even know that existed that is like, oh, this is perfect for me. And you just don't get that on your own necessarily if you're spending your own dollars and you don't see that when you're browsing an e-commerce site, it's not the same. One of the things that I know that both of you do is is promote the books that we've that we have in our collection. Um, can you talk about uh, the ways that you do that? So we do promote the books that we buy. It feels a little different for us because we are not working in the branches the way that a lot of our staff are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will be working at the front desk and they'll have these opportunities to have conversations with patrons that walk in. And, you know, what are you reading? Here's what I'm reading. Um, and we have to be a little more strategic about it because we're in the administration building. Um, so what we're doing is putting together a newsletter with book lists. Um, we're making lists that go on BiblioCommons. So patrons see those when they, they log into the website with their library card number. We're selecting an e-read of the month that we're promoting on all of our social media channels. Um, I don't know. What else do we do, Mary? Uh, we do a fair amount of promoting books through our social media accounts. Um, I just made a list today for September that's self-care awareness month. So that's going to go up on our social media um, channels. We tend to feature, you know, books in our promotional campaigns. Um, so things like our power of sharing campaigns all have book lists attached to them. Um, and you'll see some, some, you know, for instance, the bus boards driving around town, you'll see some materials featured there. Um, you know, we, we sort of talk about books wherever and whenever we can um, go out and do events. I just did an event the other day where I went and did some book talking um, to a group of folks for the Whatcom County Library Foundation. So it's looking for any opportunity we have really to share books with people um, through all of our various channels. One of the ways that you are promoting all the items in our library, the books, is the e-read of the month. Um, can you tell me what that's about and how people can get involved in it? Well, I think, you know, and jump in, Emma, if I get something wrong here, but this kind of came out of, you know, during the pandemic when our doors were closed um, to the public for quite a while. Of course, we were promoting our e-materials pretty heavily. Um, and we know that a lot of people who had not been using e-books or downloadable audiobooks kind of came to that format during COVID. Um, my husband, for instance, has always been an audiobook on CD, you know, physical listener. And in COVID, when he couldn't get those, he switched over to digital audio. And, and now that's his preferred format. Not going so, back. No, no, once you've done <laughs> it, you're not going back. So we sort of started thinking at the beginning of this year, um, you know, how do we support those readers who are reading um, digital materials? How do we bring them sort of like the cream of the crop of interesting things and provide something new every month? Um, you know, a book that we have read and enjoyed that we would really like more people to find. Um, and so we select a new one every month and make it available. If you have a WCLS card, you have no wait for the ebook or e-audio during the month. Yeah, I think one of the frustrations that we were trying to get around with the e-read of the month is just how long the wait times are mm -hmm. sometimes. Like we talked earlier in the podcast about just how expensive ebooks and e-audio books are to add to our, our collection. And so because of that, we often can't get those hold ratios down as low as for the print books. So you might be waiting a really long time for your ebook or e-audio book. And so the idea with the e-read is like, what if there's something really great that when you go to search for what's available now, 
it's just there. Mm-hmm. No waiting. And it's handpicked by by one of the two of you. And also Lisa, our manager. She's the and collection manager. That's right. So so every month, then there is a new e-read of the month. There's no charging for it. It's nope. free, like all the library services we have. And also it's just on your phone. And if you don't like it, you can just click return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So, and that's been going on for a few months. Um, Since I think February of this year, um, February 2021. And we really strive to provide a bunch of different kinds of things. Um, you know, I mentioned before, uh, Emma chose Mexican Gothic one time, which is pretty horror. Um, I've done a rom-com. Um, we've had some memoir. We've had some literary fiction. And then this month we have essays. So we try to provide, you know, a sampling of different things. And we're looking for something that maybe you haven't heard of, or maybe you've heard of and you're excited to read. But like Emma said, you you look at the holds and you're like, wow, I'll, I'll be waiting for a long time. And it feels like a nice surprise to be able to say, no, you don't have to wait. Here it is right now. So that's pretty exciting. Different people do different things. Like for instance, you know, I almost never place holds on eBooks or audio books, e-audio. I just want, you know, I'm going for a long walk and I'm like, I need to listen to some and I'm burned out on my podcast. So I'm not, I'm not really going to place a hold. And it's really awesome to go in there and be like, Ooh, this is that great thing that I wanted. And it's available now. So it's that instant gratification, which we can't always afford to do, but sometimes yes. I mean, I always have a ton of holds on e-audiobooks, but inevitably either they are all here at the same time or I'm waiting for five weeks for all of them. So available now kind of, it is a sweet spot for like, ah, for when you're waiting for everything else on your list. You know what I do is I'll, I'll, you know, read in bed and, and I'll get my Kindle out and I'll, I'll go to the Washington Anytime Library and I will spend 45 minutes looking at my my it's uh, like netflix yes. yeah you just totally. kind of go through and look and look and look and then it's like wow i haven't picked out a single book but i've read a lot of descriptions and <laughs> interactions, and it's like i want to read them all but i can't decide which one and then i i gotta go to bed because mm-hmm. you gotta wake up in the morning and do a it's totally the netflix problem you spend all the time reading yeah. the things and you don't actually even watch anything yeah and I, you know, I enjoy it with the books more than I do with Netflix. I enjoy it with Canopy as well, the, the streaming video service we have. I'll just read all of these uh, descriptions of, of the documentaries or the foreign films or the, um, the Criterion collection of classic movies. And it's just like, I feel like I'm, I'm reading, uh, I don't know what, like, like the condensed versions of I'm getting my my literary fill or my reading fill. I mean, I feel like to an extent, that's why people think that librarians are well-read. I mean, (laughs) I do read a lot, but honestly, I read more descriptions of books than I actually read books. Oh, the secrets are coming out. So I can fool you into thinking that I've read all the books. Ah, I knew I would get a (laughs) scoop with this podcast. (laughs) Right, the biggest misconception is that we know everything. And I always tell people, I don't know everything, but I know how to find things. Right. I know that those things are out there. So I'm never going to tell you that I know everything, but I, I know that the things are out there and I can figure out how to find it. That's right. Because there's too many things to know. Mm-hmm. But, but too many books to read. Too many books to read. So I want I want to ask you a few questions. Normally I ask 
um, folks for like a reading recommendation, right? But you do that all the time. I want to try something uh, <laughs> that I, I didn't warn you about. <laughs> I just want to put a prompt in front of you and come up with the first thing that the first title that comes to your head. Does that make sense? Sure. I want an example of a of an audiobook with a good narration. Oh, I have one right off the top of my Ooh, head tell because me. I've been telling everybody it's nothing to see here by Kevin Wilson. Oh, um, I, I read that after you recommended it. It was mm -hmm. great. Fantastic. Right. And I get a lot of my audiobook recommendations from um, Rika, who's one of our bookmobile drivers. Mm -hmm. I think she's been on the podcast before. We have interviewed she's, she's driving around all the time with you know, audiobooks playing in the background. So when she comes to me and says, is a great narrator, I totally buy in. And she was a hundred percent right. Initially, when I started listening to this, I thought, I don't know. But the more I listened to it, the better their narration was. This is a real interesting novel about family and unexpected connections and, you know, children who burst into flames. So it's not your typical <laughs> novel, but, you know, it's pretty great to listen to. Wow. I never thought about that, but, but, Rika and the other bookmobile drivers, they've got, they can just listen to books while they're driving. It just mm -hmm. never even occurred to me. Okay, Emma, what's your um, narrate, good narrate? Where my mind went immediately is I, I tend to listen to also a lot of podcasts and a lot of podcasters are also authors and many of them narrate their own books. And in the last year, I've listened to several great books that are narrated by their authors who are also podcasters. Um, I really enjoyed the book, Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller. She is a co-host or I think she used to be a co-host of the podcast Invisibilia, which is one of those podcasts that kind of explores, you know, the history or the psychology of, of everyday things or phenomena, you know, kind of a deeper dive podcast. Um, and this one, just a really, really twisty kind of kind of book like you start out thinking that it's a biography but then it's kind of a crime book but then it's also kind of a memoir so very genre bending um I kind of like to tell people to go into it blind like to, like don't do the research before you read the book just let it happen um but because she's a podcaster I felt like the, the author was a really good personable narrator a lot of warmth in her narration I keep hearing about this I have got to listen to this <laughs> So, so thinking about thinking about books, the first children's book that pops into your head. Well, the first one I can think of is, um, and it's mostly because uh, my family is reading the second book to, in the series together. But the first one that popped into my head was One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia. It's a middle grade chapter book. I actually listened to this first on audio and it's amazing on audio. Um, middle grade chapter book about three girls who um, in the summer of the 60s go from their home in New York to California to spend the summer with their mother who they've really never met. Um, and their mom is an activist and a poet and she's real involved with the Black Panthers. Um, and I learned more about the Black Panther movement um, reading wow. this book than I have learned in, in any other format. Um, plus it's just a great novel about um, growing up and finding your place and learning who you are and learning how your family works. So that one's, um, that one's great. And we're reading the second one right now together, which is called PSB 11. Wow. 
that's more than I was expecting, which I should expect a lot from you, you Emma. <laughs> so I do not read a lot of children's chapter books, but I do read a lot of children's graphic novels. I find that they're just incredibly charming. I often love the art style um, more than I love the art style of adult graphic novels. It tend to be a little more like superhero comic booky. Um, and my favorite book of last summer was called Snapdragon by either Cat Lee or Cat Lay. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it is just this really sweet book about this girl. Her mom works long hours. Um, so she has a lot of free time on her own and she discovers sort of this witchy, weird neighbor that all the other kids are afraid of who does taxidermy. And this woman sort of takes her under her wing, teaches her how to do taxidermy. Turns out she maybe actually be a witch. So we get some sort of magical elements in there. Um, but it's, it's also just a really sweet story about found family and, I don't know, the power of unexpected friendship. And it totally made me cry. And I thought the art was adorable. So that's my recommendation. Any book that makes you cry is worth sure. reading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. which, which let's flip that around and tell me about a funny book. I just finished one called The 2000s Made Me Gay, <laughs> which was hilarious. I love any book that sort of explores gender, sexuality, and media, sort of like the intersection of media studies and mm -hmm. identity. Um, and that one was just super fun because it was all about the media that I grew up with um, in the early 2000s. I'm a millennial. So, you know, stuff like Disney Channel. Um, I didn't personally watch the show, but like the OC, Dawson's Creek, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was just really fun to sort of have these flashbacks to my childhood. And I was like, oh yeah, it totally was like that. That was really weird. You know, someone sort of evaluating my, my formative years with a critical lens. Mm -hmm. um, for me, one of, the, one of the funniest books that I have read um, recently is called Hench by Natalie Zena Walscotts. Um, and it, it's mostly funny because of the premise. The whole idea is, right, this is a world where there are superheroes and, and supervillains. And supervillains, of course, you know, heroes and villains, they need, you need an admin staff, you need like a team to keep your, you know, your corporation, your ecosystem rolling, right? You need support people. Um, and so the main character is a hench person for a villain. Um, and basically what that entails is data entry. So her specific skill set is interpreting data and using that to support her villain in his campaign to bring down a superhero. So it like subverts all those villain and hero tropes. And then it puts it all in this like modern office setting, which is so hilarious. They're talking in one scene about, oh, we got to have a press conference. We have to have a press conference. And then it turns out that the press conference really is the villain announcing that he's going to be taking hostages, right? But but it's all framed like a press conference and we have to have all these, you know, corporate setup background. It was that just great. great. It's like fast paced and funny. And I cannot wait to read the next one. I'm sure there's going to be a sequel. Wow. Is, is Hench... Like that's the route to to henchman or hence. Yes, she's a hench person. But is is hench like a word that stands on its own? I mean, it does now. <laughs> I, I guess so. She, she invented that. Yeah. All right. Moving along here. A scary book. Oof. Okay. I'm jumping in because this is way <laughs> out of my depth 
to talk about scary, but Mexican Gothic, which was actually one of our um, e-reads of the month, um, mm. Sylvia Moreno-Garcia, Mexican Gothic, holy moly, so scary. Um, it's a it's a really interesting, you know, sort of book set in kind of colonial Mexico. So there's a lot of Mexican history um, and the main character sort of goes to live in this big old house and the house is sort of a force of evil around her. Um, I, I read this book almost, I think two sittings because I was so terrified that I had to just like get through it really quick. <laughs> That's and that author, she just keeps raising the stakes that you're like, man, this is crazy, but Ooh, just got under my skin. I, mm -hmm. I will never look at certain things the same way again. <laughs> All right, Emma. All right. I just listened to one, which I don't know. I don't know if I would recommend listening to a horror book. It, it makes it almost mm. scarier. And I did the same thing Mary did. I felt like, okay, I have to finish this book today. Cause if I don't, I'm going to be unsettled for the rest of the weekend. Um, it's called The Lost Village by Camilla Sten. And I, I heard this book described maybe in a book blurb as the Blair Witch Project meets Midsummer. Um, so super spooky, little culty. It's this documentary film crew that goes to a very remote area of Sweden where there is this lost village, this, this village that used to be like this little mining town. And then the mine went under in like the 50s. And everyone disappeared. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what happened to the people. They're going to make a film about it. Um, very quickly, things start to go wrong. Um, one of their crew members has like a psychotic break and goes missing. Um, there's explosions. There's, you know, creepy stuff on walkie talkies happening. Um, it was very unsettling. Oh my goodness. And you listen to it. You're so I brave. listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. This I'm getting way out of my depth, <laughs> but I, I've got one more and that is a hopeful book. Ooh, I could probably segue into e-read of the month with this. There you go. Yeah. So September's e-read of the month is the Anthropocene reviewed by John Green. Um, you might know John Green from his teen books. He did Looking for Alaska and Turtles All the Way Down. And I don't know, what's what's the one that's Fault in Our Stars? Fault in Our like, Stars. Like the big one that became a movie. Um, and this is his first adult book. And it is a collection of essays. And they're all very hopeful. It's all about humanity, which I think a lot of us feel maybe not so hopeful about humanity sometimes these days. Um, but he really sort of sort of ends every essay on a hopeful note, even even the essays about things that are not so great, like the plague or I don't know, other terrible things. Um, I really enjoyed it. Sort of has a, a wry sense of humor, um, flips things around, kind of forces you to look at it in maybe a way you hadn't considered before. So that's my, that's my hopeful pick. I have got to read this too. I haven't read this yet. And oh, I'm excited that it's e-read this month because then I can check it out without waiting. So that's exciting. Um, 
when I think about hopefully, I often think about fiction. Um, and one of my favorite authors that writes, I think, kind of uplifting books without being real saccharine is Frederick Bachman. Um, people know him from his book, A Man Called Uva, which of course is a great book about connections. Um, but his latest book, I think might actually be my favorite one. It's called Anxious People. And it's a story about a group of people who are brought together in a really unusual way through a hostage situation. Um, but in typical Bachman form, this isn't like a terrifying hostage situation. It's more like um, an unusual take on how these people come together. Um, and it's really a lot of the folks that are in this um, book are sort of at the end of hope. Um, and so by putting them together in this one place, we see all their stories and we see sort of a way out and a way to the future. And we see how connection and community can bring us together um, and draw us closer and give us a window to the future. So I really love him for that just sort of spirit of hope. Wow, that's great. Well, those are, those are like a bunch. That's like 10 suggestions <laughs> and book recommendations in 15 minutes or so. We should make a list. We will make it. Well, they'll actually, yeah, I'll, I'll have them on the podcast website, but also Mary, if you're interested in creating a list. Or app, I will do that. I'll, that I'll make sure you have the, the list that I collect from here. All right. Okay. I think that I've taken enough of your time. I do want to, I do want to ask one more thing, one more prompt, an author that you've met that sticks in your head. I have not met a lot of authors. I have not been to, you know, the ALAs a lot. Mm -hmm. I did meet Rebecca Mackay in Spring Green, Wisconsin. That was very exciting. I had just finished reading The Great Believers. Okay. And I was like, oh, I have to go to this. Um, so that was really wonderful. So I have met a fair number of authors in my previous life. One of my job iterations was um, working as an events coordinator for an indie bookstore. Um, and so I have met a fair number of authors. Um, one of the most memorable was we had Philip Pullman come for a talk and he was just so warm and lovely and funny. That makes um, me happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's that thing, right, where you meet an author and you're hoping they're as wonderful as they are on the page in person. And he absolutely was. He was just charming and, you know, talked so much about his love for bookstores and libraries. I was like, oh, my heart. That's so sweet. That's also, sweet. I didn't think of this because it's not exactly meeting an author, but I have a friend who who wrote a children's book that got published. So I, I mean, I met her before she wrote the book, um, but her name's Lydia and the book is Dear Librarian. Oh, oh nice. Do we, and that's have also, we do have it in the system. Yeah, it's a it's a really sweet story. And if you you work in libraries, it'll probably probably warm your heart. So. Well, that's great. Well, that's a good note to end this interview on. So thank you, Emma. Thank you, Mary. It's been just a, a magical time here. Always a pleasure, Neil. Yeah, thanks for having us. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit wcls.org slash podcast to find our previous episodes. 
Big thanks go out to our guests, Mary Kinzer and Emma Radosevich, for sharing their encyclopedic knowledge of books. And to my boss, Mary Vermillion, look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Until next time, this is Neil McKay for the Whatcom County Library System. <laughs>